1: This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker. Um, how are we doing this week, Paul? Are you good?
0: Yeah, I'm not too bad, to be honest. Wayne, not too bad. Uh, a good day yesterday, good day with a half decent game.
1: Yeah, it was very entertaining in the end, really. Uh, very eventful as well at um, the London Stadium another eventful week in Manchester United history it's a storyline club really this is how I described it yesterday It's things seem to interweave into each other and, and tell narratives in a way that no other club does um, before we get started um, please like and subscribe to the channel if you're watching it live on YouTube or Facebook feel free to get your questions in Paul and I will get do our best to get to, to all of them um uh, recent videos on the channel lee lawrence and phil marsh with keen on friday night um more stories about training against ronaldo um uh, which are great um of course scott Wooten with Dave murphy yesterday straight after the game uh, i was a very positive reaction on that show um and i know over the 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 feedback from what i've been um seeing everywhere regarding the game is that um it's not universally positive considering um how long it took to get the win. Um but we'll get to that in a minute. Let's first of all start with the game at Young Boys in the Week Paul. Um <sighs> difficult one. Um Solskjaer getting a lot of criticism after that one. Um United took an early lead. Great goal um in the formation of it with Fernandez setting up the goal for for Ronaldo. Um and then Wambasaka gets sent off. And from then on, um, and I, you know, we've talked about Oli on this podcast and we've defended him quite a lot. I felt he was getting his decisions wrong. Or like he was chasing the decisions that he was getting wrong and the shape was wrong and United were never in it. Um, and then the, the game's decided on, on a freak, um, you know, mistake by Jesse, obviously, and then everyone piles in on him online, uh, which wasn't great to see. Um, but, you know, definitely one where... Um, a lot of people could hold their hands up and said that there were mistakes all over the place in that one. Um, disappointing day at the office, wasn't it?
0: It was. It certainly was. And you go into those games, and with young boys, they've got a decent record against Premier League side. Chelsea are not big, big fans of the young boys. To be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, I think they've beaten them home and away when yeah. um when a was playing for them. So um for for the United to go out there and, and for, to allow that to happen was. R- was really, really poor in the, in the way they st- the way they went about it. They knew the occasion was massive for them. And then everything was a the pitch, didn't help, But that can't be used as an excuse. But when you lose someone 35, you know after 35 minutes and you're Manchester United and you're playing against a team, and the team caliber of young boys of Unburn, you would expect them to deal with it better. You would expect the manager in the, of Manchester United in the Champions League to be in control of everything that was going on and not to panic. And there was no reason to, to be perfectly honest. And to a point he got it right. But you always have to turn around and say, when you've got two key players and you take them both off the field and you're up against a side that there was so wound up about Ronaldo playing and there was definitely prepared and concerned about Fernandes, two key players yeah. of Manchester United and you take them both off the field, what would you expect that other team to do? You would, the obvious one is that you would expect them to go, wow, that's pressure off of us. We can go and do a little bit more now. We can squeeze up a bit higher and we can push up tighter to Manchester United's midfield because they haven't got a Ronaldo who's gonna run beyond us. They haven't got a Fernandes who can knock the ball, ball through. They haven't got a Fernandes who can run run beyond us. There's no one else in that team who's gonna run beyond. Two. Ollie by doing what he'd done to take off the two headliners for Manchester United, he allowed a team that was just sitting there waiting for something to happen because they was up against Manchester United. And all of a sudden, they saw Manchester United's key men go off. They couldn't believe their luck. Their manager mostly went, wow. And those players suddenly just took an extra breath, mostly gained an extra half a yard, lifted their heads a little bit more and got belief because he made, them, he made a decision to go and do what he'd done. And we keep seeing managers do it all the time. The moment they get into a good position, they're in control of the game, not many, not many minutes to go, they start bringing on extra defenders and things like that. Why do they do it? If you're comfortable in the game, why do you suddenly change it? By putting an extra person in the back, because that means, sometimes, that means you've got an extra one in there, and all of a sudden, he might get in the way of something that's going quite well, something that you're in control of, even with a man late, sorry, a man less, And it didn't work out and always have to ask the question, what was Jesse Lingard doing so deep when he's been brought on? Didn't need an extra person sitting deep. What it was was more about take the game the other way, put the ball in behind them and turn them around and squeeze up a bit higher. But playing in front of them all the time and getting the ball taken off you means that they can actually react and counterattack onto you a lot quicker. And that's what happened, especially on a surface, which, you know, to be perfectly honest, not many people are used to. Only the teams that are playing at home or playing, yeah, playing them regularly, training them regularly are used to it. United players, as much as they've got their one, their own one at Carrington, and they're mostly used out to, to take them to win This game, they're not prepared for that game. They they're not really a hundred percent sure they their twisting and turning. So it's always going to be a problem.
1: Yeah, you're right about Jesse. By the way, um, he was brought. Like you talked about Bruno and Ronaldo coming off, and Jesse was the. One broke on to lead the line until you know, obviously, later on when they made that last change. Um, so yeah, it seemed that deep, uh, but obviously, that plays into the narrative of what followed at the weekend. Um, before we get to talking about West Ham, one of the big stories of the week was Guardiola coming out and having a pop at the City fans, yeah. uh, which I found extraordinary to be honest. Um, I'm not, I always, this is a, a you know, publicly I've been quite critical of Guardiola as a, as a coach, um, which might surprise some people. But um, I, I look at him and I always think, how would he do at United? And I always think that the level of sort of personal questioning he gets, he always handles it pretty badly. You know, I can't imagine... He, He could he would deal quite well with some of the stuff that Ollie gets directed in, and that was one that happened to him over the week where he sort of said about the City fans, You know, like we want, um, we want you to turn up on Saturday. Uh, what did you make of that? Because he seemed a little bit passive aggressive, and then he didn't back down when the support, uh, when the one of their supporters called him out, he didn't back down at all.
0: Um, I'm a big fan of his, I'm a big fan of him as a player He's an incredible footballer. Not outstanding, but he was just so clever. You see the way he manages, that's how he played. Incredible player. As a manager, and the, the way he wants to play, yeah, I think he would have suited United to a T. Everything about him s- said Manchester United, his presence, everything was Manchester United. The difference, the difference was is that he was involved in something from him starting his coaching, started with his coaching at Barcelona then going out to Qatar to do bits out there and the whole thing fell into place and it all moved into Manchester City. I think he's gone to, he's looking at it now and he's looking at someone who's playing initially in front of 120,000 every other week for Barcelona. And he's kind of thinking about it, he's thinking about those big nights, those big, these big things, hearing all that he's heard at City about what City are, you know, 100% Mancunian But he's looking, he's thinking bums on the seat. he's thinking big crowd, big nights, Europe, Leipzig and he's just going 17,000 empty seats. This is not it. So he's come out and said it. And I don't, and and I'm with him because when I first went to Manchester (coughs) I was, you know, people telling me, oh Manchester's blue, all all the Mancunians or all the City fans, you know, that more City fans and United fans, they're all in London, They're they're all overseas and you know we've got more fans and what what a pile of crock man you know after when I'm when I was around manchester just in that first six months around the city so many united fans would just come all over the place every everywhere and so and when you hear the things coming out by certain ex city players oh yes mancun them it's just because they've got all these tourist fans and everything city if, if they're not running as a proper business then they're fine. They'll accept that, but they want tourist fans. They, they, if, they, if that's what we want to call them, they want full houses. They, to be deemed a big club, a successful club, to go on and build history with that, you need to, you need four houses. United will play a League Cup game, and they won't get below sixty-five thousand for a League Cup, mm. Cup. The game this week. They won't get below sixty-five thousand because people want to be there to watch them. And you should never worry about <clears throat> where they come from, because you think you ask those players what they want to do. Every player wants to play in front of the biggest crowd possible. Justin, it makes you feel better when you walk out there. You know, And then if you can get them away from home, as United players get every other week to go away, to like London Stadium to come out, come out to that, that may, even more so. So playing away from home, for say, a Fulham and Queen's Park Rangers, is completely different to playing away from home for a Manchester United, because you suddenly feel that had taken over the stadium. and you remember those times, Wayne, when <clears throat> Wimbledon were playing at Sellers Park or when yeah. United went to Sellers Park? What was it, 60-40? It was something that was ridiculous every time. It was carnage on and off the pitch every time we went and played there. Getting on the coach after, it was an absolute nightmare. It was, you know, so what Guardiola says, I think he's got every right to say it. It's just, it's just his opinion and all of a sudden we're, Hearing about how expensive the tickets are and stuff like that. But United fans go and do it. They, they you know they, they go to every game because one of the reasons why people might want to moan about it, they get on with it because they know there's someone just sitting there behind. If they tell I'm gonna give them a season ticket and bang, it's gone the next day. It's gone. There's that you can say it, but I'll tell you what. People will talk about it, but they won't go and do it. They want their tickets. They want to be at every game. They don't want to miss out on something that could, could you know, could be history in the making.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get on to the um, game at West Ham. Then a lot to go through on this one. Keen training says United's away support is the best in the world. Yeah, and they um, had another eventful game um, yesterday. Um, so um, my review and play ratings is always uh, already on the website. Honestly, we don't know how the events of that 95 minutes is going to weave itself into the story of the season. But honestly, that game was why I love watching United. We, I thought we were not brilliant by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, but a lot of criticism about the performance. Um, I can see both sides of it. Um, what I will say is that in response to what happened on Tuesday, United weren't... Um, they were reactive again, basically. They they started quite well. They were dominating as well. They should have done because they've got two banks of two there, McTominay and Fred in front of Varane and Maguire, and it should have been um, more safe than what it was. It looked like it would be in the first 15 minutes, and then it got a little bit... I think West Ham learned that they could drag them about a little bit, which was concerning considering you've got four players there specifically to be um, protecting that area. But it what what it was. United were controlling it a little bit. Then West Ham got into it. Um, I think as soon as West Ham had a couple of chances, United stung back. That's when Fernandes hits the post. Um, I think Ronaldo had a bit of a half chance as well. And then from that, they've pulled us apart um, and a big slice of luck with the goal. But United's response was immediately very good. Ronaldo scoring. Um, and then you've got the drama at the end, Paul. Um, a couple of penalty appeals for United. Um, I will say that uh-huh. I don't think... Oli said that the first one, and the last one were, I think the last one probably, well, last one nailed on. I'm not sure about the other two. Um, can't argue about the show one. Um, and obviously Jesse coming on and, and doing what he did after what happened mm. to him in midweek. Um, so much to pick from. You were there. Um, how did you view it in, in terms of the game overall and then then the end, um, which was quite dramatic?
0: I think the game overall, when you talk about it, you, you talk about the way that, Look at, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the way that West Ham picked their way through the United midfield. United had the dominance and a lot of the ball, but they didn't have the creativity. It was, it was just, it was just having it. It was just there was nothing cutting through. You could see Ronaldo moving around, and when you got Fred and Metomino having who had a lot of the ball, there wasn't anything going on. Fernandez had pushed in that little bit closer to get closer to to play with Ronaldo, but it was nothing to give it to. And the way that West Ham picked around them, West Ham have a more dynamic midfield than Manchester United. Yeah. Manchester United had two of their midfield players in their midfield. They were have strong that game. If you had a, a Sochek and a Declan Rice in that Manchester United midfield player, those two, United would be a better team, be more cohesion between the midfield and the front and the back because both of them get up and back and they're both positive and either half of the field and either third, you know, third of the field as well. They're effective as any player Manchester United have in that midfield, maybe except Fernandes because Pogba's just not consistent. You just don't know what you're going to get. So I always leave them out because you just don't know what's, what's yeah. in the bottom of the bag. And um, I look at their general play. They They should have maybe in theory, done a lot better United with the opportunities they got into when they was in the final thirds. But then when you look at the penalties, I would say the, the only one that was 100% definite was the one at the end with Zuma. Zuma knew it himself by the way he got up. And Ronaldo's reaction said he knew it 100% as well, in the sense of he didn't even bother shouting and screaming and thumping. He just laughed.
1: Yeah. He just I laughed. think he was laughing because he thought he knew Atkinson didn't give it. And I think mm-hmm. he was laughing because he knew Va would overturn it and then
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess you could a, just Yeah, that's exactly what it was, Wayne, to be perfectly honest. The others the others were not were not near it, wouldn't were, were not penalties. The one I feel was a penalty was Wayne Pisaca. Yeah. When he's yeah, yeah, yeah. that mean you know, that that was a penalty, without a shadow of a doubt. So we've got S-
1: similar a, to similar to Kyle Walker's yeah. Was,
0: oh, yeah. Carl, Carl Walker's one was embarrassing. I mean, yeah. John Moss, I saw him at Crystal Palace, um, the Crystal Palace game, Crystal Palace v Spurs the other week, and he was embarrassing in that game. John Moss's biggest problem is he can't get about the pitch. That is yeah. his biggest problem. I mean, when you when you see him run, it seems like he's running on a conveyor belt. The man can't move. It's just shocking. But that was terrible. The Carl Walker one. That one was that one was bad as well. The wan one—that—that should have been a penalty without a shadow of a doubt, you know—and and that one—and they—they got it wrong. I don't know what's happening with Bar. We think it's—it's it's not interfering too much. There's not too many dramas. Sorry about that noise, my boy has done something with the oven and it's bleeping all the time. Um. So yeah, the, some of the decisions, Martin Atkinson, I said it too early before we come on air, but the thing I think that happened with wan Persieker. This is getting right on my nerves here, um, Is that uh, without, <clears throat> sorry, Martin Atkinson, it was all about Renata. I think it was the situation of the boy who cried wolf in the end. And yeah. I just think you know, I think, and I think because now the referees have been given more freedom, given more, given more freedom is, um is, is because of, um, is now allowed the referees to then be, make their own mind up about things when something's getting on their nerves. When something's getting on their nerves, can they they just suddenly go, Nope, that's wrong, and, they, and make their own decisions rather than being told? And I'm thinking yeah. that Martin Axelson should have been told. Someone should be speaking to him and he can come at me. That's the reason why Bars there to help him in situations. I don't know if he got personal with Ronaldo and he just took it as no, he's throwing himself, but somewhere yeah. along the line, if it's like three, four, surely someone ain't going to go three, four times. And that last one was so blatant and what it was. And if it was given, because the people around me, like virtually, you could, if, if they didn't say it, it was in their faces, in their eyes. saying that one definitely is. Everyone, you could just hear it around. Even the West Ham fans in the room, you could hear that kind of, oh, game, game's dead now. But the differences as well with the one that Juan Paseca gave away, and that opportunity, then West Ham could have gone two one up. Yeah. And, and would they have given it away so quickly as what they did previous? You'd, you know, you would have felt a David Moore's team might have learned a lesson. But I don't know how you want to go. Are you going to talk about what happened at the end?
1: Well, let, let's get to that because obviously, um, I don't. No complaints on the show one for me. Um, he's put his hand out. In in older days, you might have said it's a bit close, but his arms out, um, an unnatural position. You can't complain. I didn't oh. complain. The only thing for me was if you're going back to check that, you've got to go back and check the Ronaldo one. You can't be serious. So yeah,
0: That's that's the protocol. But we, don't, we I don't know what, what makes a referee go and do that. Does Can a referee just in his own mind, like we would do, if we're not 100% sure, would go and speak to someone about something if you're man enough to man up to it, look yourself in the mirror and go, I might have got that wrong. You need to go and speak to someone to turn around for them to, I think you've got that wrong. I think that go go and have a look, but surely you would do that yourself because you want to come away after doing your job for 95 minutes and go, I've got all the main decisions correct. And you can only do that if you get an opportunity to look at it again. Football's allowing that man in the middle, the second chance, a second chance to look at it before he, he go he goes and nails it. And they're not taking it. So are they are they still are they in control of themselves or are they still being governed referees? I believe they are still being governed because surely Martin Axon, all his experience, would have wanted just to go and make sure that after the couple of ones with the Ronaldo before, and seeing the, the pace of it, everything that's gone with it, and the reaction, he must have heard the reaction. He must have, he must see something when you look in people's eyes to know. When they're telling the truth, a reaction, because that first reaction, you can't hide that, way, can you? It's impossible. That first reaction, and then maybe that bit after you look at, talk about Luke Shaw one. Luke Shaw was handball. There's no doubt about it. His arm was out. There's no reason. Everyone else yeah. goes in there, kick your arms down. Luke Shaw's there, lazy. It's all right. It's going to be all right. okay. Got caught out. And his reaction, you can see his reaction straight away. He brings his arm down quickly. And then you look at him, and then he's going, no, no and then you know him, you know. But he didn't do that. I mean, Harry Maguire's the funniest one. He wants... The referee comes back and goes, Harry's going, you know, having a go at the referee, saying his arm's down there. What happens? They put it up in a big screen. Harry Maguire sees it of the corner of his eye. He looks up at the screen, and then he suddenly converts you. I think he's, he's kind of going, oh, okay. It just, <laughs> just accepts it that his arm was up there. His arm was like there or higher, you know, so... Maybe they shouldn't have shown that in the big screen, but it calmed Harry Maguire down.
1: So the, the game basically turned on three substitutions, didn't it? Um, well, Keen asks about Brand's performance. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, but the, the incidents of the game. So the three subs, basically, um, it brings on... Ollie brings on the wingers to, to change the sort of dynamic on the wide areas. And to be fair, I think that's right, because we got asked a question on Twitter as well about this, about... Um, well, we talk about the wingers and how difficult it was yesterday. And it was a difficult kind of game for them because United have that problem where they're inward-facing wingers and and they don't go on the outside. They're not really wingers, they're inside forwards, let's call it what it is. Um, You you have
0: taken the game back, haven't you?
1: (laughs) Inside (laughs) forwards. They'll they'll be half-backs next.
0: They will be Finney on the wing.
1: Yeah. um, (laughs) But, yeah, so that's the... the, um, he made those changes to sort of change the dynamic wide. Also brought on Matic for Fred. Now, I always find this funny because a lot of people online who were criticising Um I think I saw a few comments of them saying, "Why did you... this was even after after what happened?" They were saying, "Well, if they we brought Matic on earlier, it would have been better." But they, what can you do when you've you've had a game? defining moment by the, the timing must have been right, basically. Matic was brought on to do what Fred wasn't doing and that was make accurate passes. He immediately makes one straight. I know it sounds simple, but he, he, he bosses it straight into Lingard. It's not
0: simple. It's not simple, Wayne. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. That's the yeah, thing exactly. about it. It's, it's the hardest thing in the world, is to make that simple pass. Because you look at it, Fred looks at it sometimes and looks and then he looks. And then by yeah. the time he's passing it, It's gone. Yeah. So, and Matt. Matic sees it. His first thing he done when he come on, someone gave the ball to him, he just played it round the corner, straight in. And that's what you want from your midfield. You want fluency. You want the ball to move quickly from midfield in towards your front players, your attacking players. And, and Matich can do that. But it's about getting the right person next to Matic. So, you can use him in that way. And, and Ollie hasn't sorted that problem out yet.
1: Yeah. Um, well, yesterday the timing was perfect. He brings him on. He's got, he sets up that... Um, Position for Jesse. Jesse can fashion the space to shoot, and then instantly creates this storyline where you know he's got redemption for um for the week that he just had basically. And then if you think redemption is the the theme of the day, you go down the other end. Sure, as we've already said, gives the penalty away. De Gea, who was pilloried by everyone after the Europa League final, us included by the way. Um, I, there was a moment where we were thinking, you know, all he's got to make that decision. I think he didn't make the decision. Covid made the decision at the start of the season, but De Gea has more than earned his um, place. And yesterday um, adds to this redemption arc. Um, it saves the penalty only after David Moyes brings on Mark Noble. Um, talk me through that, Paul. What, what you made of that? Because it was. At, he looks so... Moise, and I've got a lot of time for Moise. I, you know, I feel sorry for the hand that he was dealt at United. I don't necessarily think he should have got more time. But he looked so smug when he was bringing Noble on, like, this is the, the main event of it. And it did turn out to be the main event, but for the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah. First of all, um, the bit with Gehaya is that I'm one of those people you where know, everyone's been persecuted. Everyone was... So, so, I still don't understand it. why everyone went all in on Dean Henderson. Okay. Still couldn't understand. It's still a young goalkeeper, very young, and he's had a couple of good seasons with Sheffield United. He had shots galore, so he had a lot of practice. The one thing he hasn't—he's never had Dean Henderson. He's been in that position behind a so-called top team, a so-called top defence, and not getting shots every every two seconds. That's, yeah. i think that's easy. You are—you can—you can judge a goalkeeper. Can he? Does, can you make enough saves? Dean Henderson made a lot of saves. David De Gea's strength is that his concentration levels are better than Dean Henderson's because he's experienced. He's an international, been there for a while, played for big clubs, played in big games. So you judge him over that. You look at him now, since his season started, as you said, it's more than than anything a stroke of luck that he's playing because of what's been going around. And no one's talked about him because he just does his job. But if it had been Dean Henderson there, people would have been trying to sell it Oh, there's a reason why he's playing Saturday. But no one says anything with David Ayer. He made a great save with his legs yesterday with his foot. First mm-hmm. half with his right foot. Could have been 1-0 West Ham a lot earlier. His positional sense, the way he talks, the organisation, people don't talk about that. And then all they want to do is talk negatives. And then when he gets in that position, I could imagine everyone just went, oh, there it goes again. You know, He's going to do this and do that. And he makes a great save in the end. You can call it a bad penalty, but if he saves it, if he has to move it away, move it's a great save. So he yeah. doesn't get anything for it. So everyone's just sitting there waiting for something bad to happen and they're gonna go all in on him and go back, bring, bring back Dean Henderson. And it's quite sad, it's quite a sad state of affairs how people are like that now, what football's become now, that everyone is just sitting there waiting for the worst bits to happen and then to do it. Never want to regularly say anything positive about somebody because he hasn't had that many, made that many great saves. Pat on the back for defence, but he's made the things easier because he communicates or he adapts himself that bit early to make sure he doesn't get caught out that often as maybe an inexperienced Dean Henderson would, they get a bit erratic, a bit like a pick for the Everton. You know, who would you rather have? Someone who's gonna make great saves and also make things tipping it over the bar, or somebody who's cool, calm, and collective in what they do. You don't see any you don't see him ruffled. And that's what we used to talk about with our goalkeeper. Any goal, British goalkeeper, they're calm. You know, when we talk about Peter Shelton, Ray Clements, Dave Seaman, those keepers. Yeah. That's how we wanted them. So, But anyway, the penalty. and the, of it, The thing of what I, what I was looking at was, because it took so long because of the situation with VAR, it, it looked like, from where I was sitting, you've got to remember that you sit on quite a way back from the pitch there, it looked like virtually Mark Noble... Was telling David Moyes, "Get me on. I'll take the penalty." And the commentator I was working with said, "Martin Odegaard's going to take the penalty." And I virtually just said, "No, don't be. No, no. He's just bringing him on. It's a. It's, a, it's his last season. It's another appearance. He's just notching up appearances for him. You know, which, which is one of the worst bits of managing. I think is being sentimental. It, co- it could cost you your job. I yeah. think so. Then all of a sudden, I see it. and I see Declan Rice suddenly turn and walk away kind of stalls away and could, I look you could see he's kind of not not really happy about it and Mark noble grabs the ball and I just went oh no and I just know I went Shh. I went so negative about it because I just didn't like it just didn't like the idea of it and then and then it happens at the end of the day for you know if you have if you have a car sitting in the garage for so long and then you bring it out for that first run to go on to go and win you to go and win you a race isn't going to materialise because it's a little bit fluffy around around the main parts of it. It needs a bit of a blowout. Mark Noble running up and down the touchline, waving to the fans, and then going on the pitch to take a penalty. It's not the best way to prepare to go and take the last, got the last kick of the game. And I had someone behind me, I don't want to mention his name, but he talks a, a load of rubbish on the radio. And he's, t- and he's telling me after the game, I think this can work in our game, though. You know, someone on the bench just to take spot kicks, it's, you know something and, some, and then someone's popped up and said well this is football it's about heartbeat it's about passion it's a, everyone's built up for it someone coming onto the pitch in american football that person is kicking the ball for about an hour while the game's going on At any given time he comes on he's kicked the ball so many times so he's tuned into kicking the ball mark noble has just run up and down stretched and waved his right arm and clapped people and he goes on And I think all he was going to do was try and write a little bit more history, a bit of history into his his last season at West Ham. David Moyes, as much as he's saying about it, has made a massive mistake, which is going to bite him worse than what it is Mark Noble, because Mark Noble's, this is his last season. David Moyes has got to live with that. His next game is important because people are going to talk about that decision, because it was his decision to allow it. And... Declan Weiss or Lanzini should have been one of the two players who would have given that opportunity to take that penalty.
1: Yeah. Um, Luckily for us, Noble took it. Um, United won. Good save from De Gea. Like you said, not a great penalty, but it reminded me of Schmeichel's save against Bergkamp in the semi-final in 99, where it's not a great kick, but you've got to commend the save. You've got to commend it. And De Gea, Solskjaer for the timing of the subs and getting those right. Lingard, it's a you know, and Ronaldo for the fact that he should have got the penalty at the end, um, a little bit redemptional round for United. Um, yeah, just the...
0: just the one with it, Ronaldo as well. Just prior to him scoring, he tried exactly the same technique about a minute earlier when the yeah. ball's coming off the left-hand side and he's kind of gone to hit it off of his off his laces and flick it with his right foot and it went wrong and he's pulled that face and you could see he was so disappointed. And it says something about him as well, because that similar one happens again. And what's he going to do? He goes and does exactly the same thing again. Bang, it's on target. Great power, by the way, to do that with such a such a little short, you know, I, I was going to say backwards, kind of is a back lift in a way, but it's more could be deemed a side. But then as well, to do that and not just admire it, to follow it, to tap it in. There isn't many who would do that, by the way. Many would have to shot. And then start thinking, cool, what a great save. Oh, I'm lucky I am. He didn't. He thought about I haven't scored that one, but I've got, I can this one. And bang. You know, yeah. so that's, that, says, that says a lot about him, to be perfectly honest. And what, and what You know, the way and what, and what he's all about. Everything is that, about scoring goals, about being the best at everything he does. And if he tries something and it was the right thing to do, but poor execution, he would go out and do exactly the same again. And that's what he'd done.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to revisit this conversation in maybe four weeks' time when we're looking at the pattern of United's away games. Obviously, the, the unbeaten record goes on. Um, late wins at Wolves and and, um, and now West Ham. And I now I, I begin to wonder, is the pattern that United have doing better in these games where they've struggled in the past or is it just a one-off? We'll, we'll see. We'll come back to that. Um, obviously, that's something that time will tell. Um, Keen asked about Varane. So a, a quick word on him before we move on. Um, I thought he played quite well. You were less convinced, um, but I, I don't know if he's... I, I'm I'm seeing it a bit more generously, but then again, that's the new shining gloss. and and I saw Maguire pulled out of position a couple of times and then as the game wore on and I thought that four players who should have really been compact weren't as compact as I, I would have expected it to. You know what I mean? I would have expected it yeah. to have been a blanket over a fire, but it wasn't really like that.
0: No, it wasn't. I mean, for me, Varane was the, the better of him. And I thought him and wan have played really well. I thought they both did their jobs defensively. Yeah, Varane <clears throat> looks the better player, the more controlled player. Harry Maguire looks now well, he's quite scruffy in the way he plays. You know, he looks quite don't know, he doesn't look comfortable, got caught out trying to be too clever, trying to dribble, he dribbles too much, I've said that from day one about him, everyone was telling me he's good on the ball, I'm saying no, he just dribbles too much to get himself out of trouble, because he's not comfortable on his left side, so he he got caught out a few times, Luke Shaw, maybe going forward, maybe too much now, maybe trying too hard to do that, and it's affecting his recovery runs, and by the way, Luke Shaw needs to pull his socks up, because he is looking mate. Like, honestly, he looked he look like, he just looked like the toughest man in the world with his socks like that. I know that the boss wouldn't allow anyone to go in the park, go and, go and look like that in, in a Manchester United kit. It's just not good. He hasn't, you know, if he's trying to be Jack Grealish, he just hasn't got the calves, just hasn't. Um, but as a back four, you've got to say that they looked all right, but I think Varane, when you go and sign a player like Varane, it's all about the big games. You know, look. That, I mean, again, I mean, I mentioned the boss now, and That's what he was always on about—about about his big players. He's looking for them to flourish in the big games, and that's where you're looking at Varane. Then, when it when he's up against, you know, playing against Liverpool, is he going to be the same cool, calm, collected person? Because when he walks off a pitch, when I've seen him in this moment in time, you have to ask yourself: was he just was he just watching a game, or was he playing a game? Because he just looks like that, there's yeah. nothing seemed to have phased him. He looks so relaxed, which is a, is a great sign, but can he be that relaxed when he gets up, you know, front three of Liverpool, you know, yeah. or the movement of Manchester City without Man City not having a front man, how is going to deal with that with no one in and around him to mark? He's going to have to be aware, you know, space aware. And if it's he's, if he's about being space aware, then he's got to communicate with Harry Maguire who can't deal with space. Aaron McGuire needs someone to get up against and fight against. So that'd be interesting how Oli deals with that situation when he when he plays Manchester City. But yeah. but Oli's record against Manchester City is quite decent to be perfectly honest. So you'll you'll be feeling quite confident in that game, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Um, comment from Anind Nepal. Um... Yo, Devils, Manu, all the way, go, go, go. Yeah, you'll find that on this podcast for sure. We definitely agree with that. Um, Paul, um, you talked a few comments you've said through this podcast has made me sort of, I think, a little bit hesitant about bringing this conversation up, but you talked about uh, one of the first comments, you said no room for sentiment in football, and then you've talked a little bit about um, Ollie's sort of relationship with players, and one of the big, comments to come out of the last week was um, there was an interview with Phil Jones, basically, and Ollie defended Phil Jones. And it's not necessarily about Phil that I want to talk about, but um, about the criticism that's been levelled at Ollie and that sentiment aspect, really. Um, I, I get the decision that, you know, and I agree, I think we've talked about it at the time, that the decision to give Phil a new contract when it was running out, seemed like the wrong choice to make. I didn't know um, that Phil's injury was the same as what Oli had when he was at United. And I think that changes um, quite a bit in the way that I look at this. And I wanted to get your take on it, because Oli obviously suffered a terrible knee injury in 2003, and he was out for the best part of three years, and it was an injury that ruined his career. It made that he had to retire after that season when he came back. And I'm sure, like you, uh, like me, you would have been sat there. Uh, you would have probably seen a few of Ollie's comebacks when he came came back and he wasn't quite right, and he had to go and spend some time away again, perhaps have another operation, and that lasted three years. I always tell anyone um, when I'm talking about Ollie, one of the most emotional uh, moments that I ever saw. in in my time as a United fan was when he came back and scored against Charlton in the 2006-07 season. We'd been out for three years. He came on as a sub, uh, mostly three years. I know he he came back in fits and starts, but he came back and he scored as a sub and sort of like he came over to the fans and sort of like said thank you to the fans. And we were, it made me so emotional because I'm like, no, this is your moment. You worked hard for that. You've been through so much. So there's two things on this I'm I'm coming to. Because obviously you had um, a real injury struggle towards the end of your time. And you have been quite brutal to yourself with the way that we've talked about this. In the past, you kind of said, no, I understand I had the injury problem. And then football, um, you know, the football of the side had moved on. And Gary was breaking in and everything. And you've you've been so pragmatic and um, magnanimous with that. Um, you've seen it from that side, and maybe maybe you'll see it from that aspect when you're talking about filling in a moment. But I, I'm just looking at the, the criticism that Oli's got. People call him a coward, and they don't really... I, I think when people call Ollie a coward, they don't remember the three... Or maybe they weren't United fans, so they don't remember the three years where he spent fighting for his career and then coming back and playing a season. They don't look at the guy who was intelligently reading games forever. Um. And then we fast-forward to Phil Jones and to hear that he's had that injury since basically since January 2020. So it's basically coming up to nearly two years that he's been dealing with that. And I can sort of see why Ollie's stuck with him. I know you said about sentiment in football, but United does kind of sometimes like indulging a little bit of sentiment like this. They did with Owen Hargreaves for a long time, where they'll stand by players. Um, and I can see why Ollie's doing it, basically, because he's kind of saying... I, they stood by me, so I'm standing by you. Where where do you come on on this situation? Because obviously, like I said, you you went through a similar scenario where your um, your basically your path out of the club was affected by an injury that you suffered. Um, but i was just wondering how we see it from from Ollie's perspective, really. I've
0: got to look at he's yeah he's I he's of doing it and feels very very fortunate because I think it maybe if it, well if it wasn't a someone who's who's Manchester United through and through as a manager then I think it could be a different scenario every chance it would be but I look at my situation and it was a different era finances were different yeah the boss had to in theory gets get something back from back into a budget yeah and to to have you know for me and then maybe in the back of his mind he's thinking he's looking for something else he's looking to say he's going to be guaranteed and might not break down again because he knew the severity of my injury and the operation i had to had to have and he just said it to me as it as it was which never a great feeling but you take a little bit of a while then you under then you understand why why it happened and that's what you know like now we're talking about it you understand why he pushed pushed through with, with gary neville history tells you that was correct um i saw it I knew it and i couldn't really argue against it to be perfectly honest i look at the situation with phil it's um it's, as i mentioned earlier it's a different era there's so much more money about to hand out and it's mostly just a drop in the ocean to do that for somebody
1: yeah
0: he's my there's every chance that the new contract he's got is of a different pay scale more to favor the club than to favor phil but it's a bonus for him because can he go and get a move somewhere else? The answer to that is mostly no. Yeah. No one's going to go because of how long it's been. So after this one runs out, he's going to have to virtually go and be on a pay as you play to prove himself for quite a while in that yeah. sense because people have got to find out where his appetite is at this moment in time after so long not doing anything at weekends. Just walk, you know, And you have to check that because you do lose that appetite. And it's about whether or not you can get it back again and push yourself through to go and make those big challenges because he might be concerned about being hurt again. And Phil has got this uncanny knack of putting himself in awkward situations in trying to defend. Yeah. Um, so there's all that coming to it. So one side of me says, yes, I can see where he's coming from. The other side is still the same about sentiment. And sentiment is affecting him at the moment only because people are questioning him. About what he's doing, they're thinking: Could that money be used somewhere else to get somebody who's actually going to be, is actually going to make a difference in the first team? He's another centre half. Too many centre halves in the club. Yeah. Baye got a new contract as well, didn't he? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, you know, you think it's so, a why, you know? all oh, it's just funny how all this is going on in in a in the league, which has got so much money, but still, in theory, you could still tighten it down a bit and not go out and be so extravagant with it and make and at least make it a little bit better to affect you at the top end, which is the most important part, is winning games in the league, really. Yeah. So I, it's, get, it's, I, get, I get Phil's side. Um, there's no point people getting angry and aggressive about it, because it's in theory it's not affecting United and what they're doing in the first team. It might only do a little bit, because of the monies that the club that These football clubs pick up. So, no, it's wrong that people have really attacked it. The lad has had serious, you know, he's got a serious... Every injury he's had has been a serious one. And he does end up in awkward positions all the time. It's quite uncanny, again, I use that word, how he gets in those positions. And but he he puts himself... He makes himself vulnerable every single time. That's mostly why he's been hurt so much. So you have to feel for that. But he's got to be very, very careful. About how he's doing things because he's always going to be assessed and judged as long as he's manager of Manchester United. And the only way he's going to be able to put a bandaid over the situation is to go win something. It's as simple as that. And that and quell him for a little while because then he's got to go on and on and on.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one, Paul. For me, I I think I'm. I agree with everything that you just said, and I just think you can agree or disagree with the decision to keep him on. I didn't agree with giving him a new contract, but and you can even be critical of Ollie for doing it. But knowing what I know now, knowing that it's a similar it's a similar injury, and knowing what Ollie went through, um, spending that three years as as a supporter, loving Ollie and wanting him to come back and do well, and understanding the frustration that he had, I can one hundred percent understand why he's not it. And like you said, there's a key driving factor that they've got the money to do it have clearly got the money to do it and didn't have it when, when you were there. If people want to know um, why they didn't, that was the summer after 95 where the club had just redeveloped the, the stadium. The The players had been sold in Hughes and Kanchelskis. And yes, a large part of um, that was because the class of 92 coming through, but they were still managing costs on a much more frugal scale. Um, for for what the the future would hold, really. Um. So yeah,
0: we have I to say as well, Wayne. By the way, sorry, but in there, but as well, Phil as a person makes a big difference as well. If Phil was, yeah. if he didn't feel was a nice person, he's a bit aggressive, he's a bit angry, a bit bitter, walking around the dressing room, he wouldn't be doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But
0: that tells you about how he's dealt with the situation, because it's not easy when you've had a taste of a bit of a good time around somewhere and you're kind of being pushed aside, and deemed not not good enough to be involved. And then when you have played in the games, the under-23 games and, and things like that, you, you're going through that. It's about you as a person. When I talk about people being good around the dressing rooms, it isn't always about being the laughy, jokey person, walking put your arm and being involved and all that. It's about sometimes being, looking around what, you know, to the young players as well, how you're being, around, are you treating them right? Are you you know are you being a good pro when you played with him in the under 23s? Are you helping them or are you being bit twisted and shouting, and screaming and you know, at them and being a big time Charlie? I don't see that in Phil Jones. So Phil Jones as a person as well has contributed to what Ollie has done. Because if he hadn't been doing that sentiment, Ollie might think about his injury but go, I don't need you around. You you're not imposing yourself in the right way on my young players or the or the the senior pros as well, because
1: you're quite bitter.
0: So that plays a part as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, Let's move on quickly to, let's sum up, uh, review the next couple of games, or preview them even. For once, the the game against West Ham in the League Cup, a League Cup game looks like it might be an entertaining one. You know, United have got a lot of options. They're obviously going to rotate, probably give Ronaldo a bit of a breather. So it'd be quite, as I say, Bree, that we'd probably be demanding to play. But I look at that and I think, oh, it's a good opportunity to see some different forward options from the players that we've got available. Is it something that you're looking forward to?
0: On a United point of view, I would say, look, Ronaldo shouldn't be playing. I think maybe Cavani should have a run. There's other players, there's a lot of other young players in the games. West Ham, when I was chatting because I was doing their game their, um, game in Europe the other day. I don't think they can afford to have you know, the likes of Declan Rice, won't be playing, can't be playing. The likes of um, Socek can't be playing. You know, they're they're two key players. <clears throat> um, maybe Antonio might play because he had to miss the game yesterday, so he might have a run out just to keep him ticking over. But then the other side of it, you don't know whether or not be worried if he was to maybe go and get himself injured, maybe maybe slightly pull a hamstring again as one of his as his main injury problem. So they're going to be it's going to be a different back four. I think Craig Dawson will yeah. come in and play, maybe Diop will come in and play with Craig Dawson, they might, Ryan Fredericks will come in as well, so they're going to have a completely different side, Uh, make a lot of changes before this game, United's changes they make, when you look what they can bring in, they should still win the game quite comfortably, and as you just mentioned there about Ronaldo not playing, he still wants to score goals, doesn't he, so he'll look at this and say, there's there's goals there for me, to be perfectly honest, so... (laughs) You, oh, well, you just yeah you 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 got to maybe not close that door on that one and him somehow playing a part even if he's just sit on the bench I think he might just do that himself just to believe that he can go and score a goal because he's got this little run going as well like saying consecutive got you know games and goals so yeah. I think he's going to want to keep that going and not have any not have one missing in between
1: yeah no yeah absolutely um interesting to. To see what's happening to Juventus in Serie A after all this talk about how Ronaldo ruins teams and they're, they're dropping down and he's doing so well for us at the moment. I must say I don't want to harp on about Ronaldo, but God, you mentioned that earlier about the the instincts that he showed for that that chance. Yeah, it's a tap in basically, but he's still all the old marks of um, a world class striker. Um, Aston Villa next weekend. It's been moved for twelve thirty. Um, Villa. Did very well against Everton. Um, they're showing, they, and I might be um jumping the gun a little bit with this, but when you lose a player like Grealish,
0: no, I'm, I'm I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm so with you. What you're going to say next, so I don't even know what I'm not, I think I know what you're going to say, but go on.
1: Sometimes you get a community like aspect in the dressing room where they, they come together to sort of compensate for the absence, and it feels like, um, you've seen that over. There
0: yeah 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 i just believe it i looked at him with him and it seemed like everything was it was just like okay we're the bit parts we'll be at the back singing the chorus and you're up front singing the main song all on your own we just do the chorus and that's how it was at villa and all of a sudden now they've become so collective and they've got they've got they've got plan a b and c and how to attack it wasn't just go left and dribble dribble forward forward pass, back sidewards, fall over, free kick. It's Now they're playing, and other players now feel like they can do what they're good at rather than feeling they have, had to give the ball to Jack Grealish. So I think you are seeing a better team with Aston Villa than what there's been in the previous two Premier League seasons. Last season, the lockdown league, forget about that. The previous season, they were lucky to be in the league last season. They should have been relegated. After the Sheffield United, the ball that crossed the line, but yeah. didn't. And again, that was our Martin Atkinson as well. By the way, didn't give that. So I look at Villa, and they they look a they look a better team than what they did. Always good to have an individual, but it is teams that win that win you big games. Team teams that take you to those high positions. T- teams that, if you can get out of trouble, it's a team effort, not an individual. Individuals will win you certain amount of games and make a difference. But over, over a football season, it has to be a team, has to be. And if it's just a one-off game, we can talk individuals, but you know, to stay in leagues, to win leagues, it's, it's teams that don't do it. And now Aston Villa are looking a better team. It will never be said by the manager, but in his back of his mind, I think he's more, he's happy what he's got now. He's seeing more players who have come out of themselves now and more comfortable with themselves.
1: Yeah, Um, on that aspect, um, they're probably looking at the difficulty that Wolves and West Ham gave United, Southampton. They're going to look at um, Newcastle, well, probably mirror Newcastle's resolve, really, but I know Newcastle fell apart in the end. But they've got a better team, a better defence than what Newcastle have. So you can imagine that they're going to turn up unapologetically looking to make life difficult for United.
0: Yeah, I mean, what they've got as well, though, is that they've, they're better attacking-wise than those teams you mentioned, yeah. to be yeah. perfectly honest. Even though Wolves gave, you know, done what they've done against United, they, got, they, they absolutely, oh, they, they, took, they, took them, they took them to it, To be but, took the game to them, to be perfectly honest. And then you look at Villa, and Villa have got definitely more about them. They're more controlled, and their midfield have got a little bit, they've got a bit in midfield as well, especially with McGinn as well the way he is and the way he moves around so this is a difficult fixture coming up from one you know that they're going to have to work harder and only is virtually be interesting what he goes and does but it wouldn't surprise me if he goes tried and tested again with like he did yesterday and sticks with that because he doesn't seem like he's ever going to or want to go far away from playing in that way um yeah. it's not the most enterprising definitely not most the most creative but if he's getting results and he's not going to change to be perfectly honest as much as he might want to go in this flamboyant way of wide players and i don't think he wants to do it that's why sancho it's going to be a difficult time for him because he's got to come off the he's getting to he'll get to the point where he feels he's got to come off and beat five people and score a goal or make a goal and the longer he leaves him and not letting letting him have a regular run it's going to get harder and harder for him because the press are going to start talking and talking. The Van, like the Van der Beek one. You know, yeah. all his thing is, all his statement about him was, "I was going to take him a while to get used to the Premier League." That's a load of rubbish. The lad's played in the Premier League. The lad is an Eng, is an, Eng, is, an Eng, is an Englishman. So adapting for that kind of figure, 70, 70, 70 odd millions, there's no time for that. Eric Eric I come come across and leaves for a million pounds. Bang, he was off. So, yeah. I'm I'm not really having that about what he said about he needs time. That's 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 wrong. That's that's really really wrong. He hasn't said that about Van der Beek, and he's actually he's come from a different league. He's not English. He's not. He hadn't played in a Premier League before. Never said about him saying that he never cost seventy million, did he?
1: That's going to be an interesting selection, the the Villa one, because I think Van der Beek and Sancho are the key players that you'd be looking at to say. Well, this is a game for them to play, in. like it, like the Newcastle one. Uh, but obviously, the the players coming back from injury. and is back. Um, Fred obviously had that game where he missed against Newcastle with the um, well, which he you couldn't start against Newcastle with the with the um, Brazilian thing. But all those bodies back in now. Like Pogba was moved to the left yesterday, and if R- Raiola's noises about you know. Pogba's never signed a new contract in all the time that he's been at United the second time. And Ryola has always made these noises. So you'd have to think that he's making the noises to agitate for a move finally. Um, and then like you said earlier, again, this is one for, for future conversations, basically, but it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. Sancho, Pogba kind of thing. And then Rashford as well. Yeah. Um, That's it for this week, guys. Um, Please leave us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe as well. If you've been watching on YouTube, we'll we'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.